For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And a new week, ready to rock and roll with you here on Birds 365. Jody Mack, glad to be back. Sorry I wasn't here on Friday, uh, but uh, I understand my buddy, Johnny Mack, got the job done with our pal Dan Cilio. Mr. McMullen, how was your weekend? Uh, spectacular. A little recharging of the batteries, Jody. I know you didn't get to recharge. I saw, I, you, I at 50, you, I saw you at 57 ships over the weekend, but... We're getting over to we're about two weeks away from training camp. So we are rounding the stretch. And you can tell, you know, people trying to get those last minute vacations in uh before the grind begins. And the grind, it's like a big shadow. It's it's overtaking me. I understand where you're coming from. I also understand what you just said about uh, recharging the battery. Do you ever do this? I did it uh this morning already. You forget to charge the phone before you go to bed oh, and yeah. you get up and you're at about 18 percent and you go, oh, yeah. shoot, I got the whole day to go. So you plug your phone in and yet you're still sending texts. Usually you should have your phone in your head, walking around, doing something while you send it. No, but you have to stand there and text while the back end of the phone is still plugged into the wall because you didn't get enough of a charge, you idiot. That's your yeah. fault. You forgot to charge it overnight. All the time. But I was but doing that this morning. As older people, we're used to phones with the cord that See, <laughs> younger people don't know that. So, yeah, it gets frustrating. That used to be your entire world. If you had to use the phone, first of all, you couldn't text. You had to pick up the phone. Right. And then you couldn't go far with it because it was attached to the wall. Yeah, you had the rotary phone. <laughs> then you had one that the, the phones that could charge. It was glorious. You could walk around uh, uh, for a little while. Right. Uh, but, yeah. All, all the time. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my little cord and, and, you know, Apple gives you a cord that is uh, about five feet long. So Not you either. buy the big, long 30 foot cord for $6,000. Well done, Apple. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it's a whole scam. Everything in life is a scam, Jerry. Yeah, I got scammed this morning, had to text while uh, standing next to my phone, just uh, punching out the text that is sent. Not good. But uh, yes, glad to hear your recharge. How was my boy Cilio filling in with you? Uh, you know, Dan, great storytellers. Of course, I had to go down to the Dan Bone Crusher Cilio days when he was wrestling in Europe and Japan. So I got some wrestling talking. You did? Yeah, of course. Very I have cool. to go down that route. So. We got some national talking because Dan Dan gets some great guests, man. Dan used to play in the league. Uh, Dan's one of those guys. I always are, and, and I yelled at him on the show, Jody, because I, I said this at the beginning. Dan is friends. Dan went to Miami. Dan is friends with, with Dwayne Johnson, the right. Rock. And when he started the National Football Show on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, 4 to 6, you should subscribe. And uh, you can watch our show, Dan Show, The Middle, with Aton, Harry, and Barrett. Uh, you can do all that on the same show all day. But nonetheless, he got Dwayne Johnson to tweet out a good luck, uh, you know, the National Football Show dancing. So I'm like, Dan, you know, come on, buddy. Why don't you hook, hook a cohort up and say, right. hey, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, 
Give a little burst 365 love. I'm still waiting for that, but I but I prodded him again, Jody. So you would have been proud of him. We got two mega wrestling fans here on Birds 365 Rock. Uh, a little mention uh, just once. That's all we're asking for is one yeah. one time. You can't do us a solid here. Yeah, silly. Yeah. see if you can make that happen. Well, by the I, way, that's the I, I said this at the time, and I believe this. That is the most famous, not Dan Cilia, the most famous person in the world, Dwayne the Brock Johnson. Right now, I think he's the most famous person in the world. I want to get him to tweet out about Birds 365. That would be good. Uh, see if we can make that happen. If you didn't twist Cilio's arm hard enough, we're going to have to go at it again. Uh, we'll get him on as a guest, even though he was just a host last Friday, and I thank him for filling in for uh, me. All right. We will punch out two hours of Birds conversation. Martin Frank's going to join us coming up about 15 minutes from now. Um, and we may or may not have a second guest day. You guys stick around to find out if we actually can uh, get that done and make that happen. Uh, but as you mentioned, John, right at the top, we are just more than two weeks away from the start of camp today being show number 66. Randy Rash, Andy, uh, what jet offensive lineman used to wear 66? Because I don't know about you. Have you and I ever discussed this before? I used to know all the players' numbers. Like, it was a big deal. You had to know what your favorite player's number was. I don't know anybody's number anymore. I, I know. I can tell you how many sacks they got. I can tell you how many receiving yards and touchdowns they had. But I can't tell you what number they wear on the back. It used to be so important to me to know every player's numbers. And now I don't know anybody's numbers anymore. I think Rasmussen was the uh, Jets left guard in that Super Bowl team because that's when I knew the numbers when I was a little kid when yeah, I was eight, yeah, nine yeah. years old by the way that's what I was going to say was Randy he was the left guard on that super and I think he did wear 66 but I I you're right I thought about this all-star games as well I've said this Jody I've written about this I used to love all-star games when I was a kid I used to love them and now I can't stand them. I want no part of them. I think they're awful. I think they're and I'm like, what has changed? Is the pro no, they were always awful. They were always stupid. They were always meaningless. But as a kid, you don't know that. Right. And you become jaded. They're four kids. All-star games are four kids. Numbers, things like that. That that's four kids. As you get older, you're like, eh, who cares? That's why people talk about Kelly Granger. I'm like, who gives a flying you-know-what? Who cares? I actually still do like the Kelly Green. Maybe I'm uh, uh, color-bound. I'm still a kid, but, but number my, my point is, my point, my larger point is, you can like a different look of a uniform just from an aesthetic standpoint. But if you're a fan of a team, you're not not going to be a fan because they change uniforms or vice versa. Or go back to uniforms. You're going to be a fan of the team. You're still a fan of the New York Jets, right? I have been my entire life. Yeah. You're, if you're a fan, you're a fan. All that other stuff doesn't matter. And as you get older, you're like, I don't give a shit. They can wear whatever they want. Just win the damn game. That's where I am. I, I see where you're coming from. But uh, at least with uniforms, I still uh, I, I don't mind a very good throwback every once in a while but numbers that uh, you and i are on the exact same page they just have become irrelevant to me except for this number that it's show number 66 which means we're closing in on our first hundred shows on birds 365 we'll count it down for you every single day all right i want to uh, debate numbers with you today and we talked a little bit about before the show started and i know we're going to look at this differently um nick sirianni who got a major compliment from nate lane johnson 
over the weekend. And I do want to talk about that, too. Um, but a major tenant of his since he has been hired as the head coach, new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, is competition. And, yes, we have both kind of prodded and poked at him a little bit because he went so far as to say everyone is competing on the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. And we just know that's not true. There are certain players on this team that aren't competing. They are locked in to their job, to the number of snaps they're going to get, to starting, to not coming off the field if they're not hurt. Uh, there are some guys that are are just stone cold, entrenched in where they are in the Eagles uh, lineup this upcoming season. But I'll suggest it's a lesser number than we're used to here in Philadelphia. And I would say even across the NFL. I don't know there are too many teams that have as many competitions, competing players in camp to start this 2021 season as the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they will have one of the most competitive camps in the entire National Football League. And here's what I mean by that. Guys that are in my estimation, and mine and yours, I can already tell, are going to differ a little bit, um, that have no competition, that they are stone cold locked in to what they're doing this year and their position is theirs and there's no way they're going to get knocked from it except for injury. There are very few locks for me. Here are the guys that I say are non-compete. Usually that's a clause in a contract, but for today's purposes on Birds 365, these are non-competes for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Defense, Fletcher Cox, Jason Hargrave, and they've got a couple other DTs, but Hargrave is going to play his, his, his amount of snaps. His contract helps to dictate that. This is a big part of the way I look at non-compete, what your contract says. And Eagles don't <laughs> well, have all that. that's a big part of it. That, right. That is a big part of it. And Eagles don't have all that many guys who have contracts that are dictating that they play. Jason Hargrave is certainly one of them. Uh, Brandon Graham. So you got three guys on the defensive line. Darius Slay, cornerback. Again, contract. He was good last year. Darius Slay was not all yeah, world, and the Eagles traded for him. What they gave up was hoping that he would be all world, and he was only very good. He wasn't all world. And for me, that's it. None of the linebackers, because, yeah, somebody's going to play linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. But who? Depending on how they play, they could move guys around. They could play more secondary guys. Uh, the amount of snaps, we know that somebody's going to get the snaps. There's going to be linebackers on the field. But because we don't know exactly who they're going to be and where they're going to be, I think all the linebackers are are competing. I think all the other cornerbacks not named Darius Slay are competing. And I just let me ask you one specific and then I'll get uh, I'll give you my uh, uh, offensive guys. Uh, and then I want you to give me all of yours. Rodney McLeod, certainly we know uh, what he's achieved, what his contract says, what he's contributed to his team previously, would make you think he's, of course, he's non-compete. Except that he's coming back from a pretty major injury. Is he, like, competing against... Uh, competing father? against himself. Yeah. Can he that, get ready for week one? Correct. So that's what I was going to ask you. First of all, because I agree with your sentiment. The Eagles back seven, nobody should be... Uh, locked down with the exception of Darius Slay. And I think you missed Anthony Harris. He's locked down. He's a starting safety on this team. Everybody else should be competing. I don't think they will be, but, but, but I think they but, should be. 
Okay, quickie question on the guy you mentioned, Anthony Harris. Um, One-year contract? One-year contract. Okay. Then he's competing against uh, his, his next season. He's competing against 2022. I think yeah, anyone who is on a one-year contract has to be competing from day one, the day you show up at camp, because, you, yeah, you're getting paid this year, and you know it, you get paid this year, but you want to go out and have an unbelievable year so you get paid that much more the next year. So I, in my estimation, the way I define competing, yeah, he's still competing this year. He's well, competing think, for 2022. Well, I hear what you're saying. As far as competition, look, people in the NFL will tell you they're all one-year contracts. And by the way, that's a little bit overblown. But by the way, we're getting closer to that with Carson Wentz when we talk about the Eagles, eight thirty-four million million of dead money for Carson Wentz. So what does that tell you, Jody? That tells you they'll move on from anybody if they have to. So from that standpoint, I get your, what you're trying to say. Yeah, Anthony Harris wants to get back to where he once was in Minnesota when they were putting the franchise tag on him. He wants to make big-time money again. So he's competing against himself uh, to have a good season and to have a multi-year contract and to get back to where he once was as a player. So I agree with that part. I mean, I think that's fairly obvious. I, I think if you talk about competition the way Nick Sirianni's talked about competition, he's talking about winning jobs. And that, to me, is the overblown part. Offensively, there is a stunning amount of positions locked up. I mean, there is basically no competition. On defense, other than left tackle, third receiver, look, four of the five offensive line positions are locked up, the tight end position two of the receivers, the quarterback, despite what they say, the running back, because they're going to play 11 personnel. So if you if you look at that uh, lineup, you're talking about two positions. That's it. Defensively, the defensive line is pretty set. We know that. And everything else shouldn't be set, but it is set. I mean, Darius Slay is going to play. We know that. Avante Maddox is going to play. We just don't know where. If Steven Nelson comes in, and I think there's a good chance he eventually comes in because nobody else is giving him money. At least the Eagles can give him an opportunity. There's even less competition because he's going to be the other starting quarter cornerback. At linebacker, Eric Wilson's going to be one of the linebackers. Alex Singleton's probably, I'd, I'd say, 80-20, maybe a little bit of competition for somebody to steal the job from Alex Singleton, but not a good chance. And then safety – Again, Anthony Harris is locked in, and Rodney McLeod is locked in if he's healthy. But we could say that about every position, if somebody's healthy. Can he get back by week one? That's a really, really difficult timetable considering he had the injury in December of last year. It's a, it'll be about nine months, week one. That's really, really on the cusp of being ready from a torn ACL. Yeah, so you and I have a different definite com uh, competition, and – we both could but be right. Nick Sirianni's though. That's right. the key. He's talking about competition for jobs. I hear what you're saying. Nick Sirianni, when he talks about competition, he's talking about competition for jobs, and he's blowing smoke up your you know what. Right. But did he did he ever actually say that, or did you interpret that? Well, uh, did he say it's about competition of jobs? No. 
But, but but what did you get from from I'll ask you what did you get from your interpretation of Nick Sirianni? You thought he was talking about guys competing against the, themselves? I don't think he's that existential. I love the guy; he loves Paul. I don't think he's that existential. I, 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 I do. I'm giving I'm giving the coach a little bit more credit, credit, credit than, than you are. Yeah. Oh, no question. I, I do think that uh, he is leaving the interpretation of the word competition to us. And yes, I might be broadening its scope more than Nick Sirianni actually meant, but he didn't tie us down to a well, hard then, and fast by the definition. way, Jody, if you want to go with your definition, you can say Fletcher Cox is competing because he's not played to the level he once did where people considered him maybe the second best defensive tackle in football behind Aaron Donald. So he's competing against that, trying to get back to that level. So you could say every Brandon Graham's trying to shut the haters up again at 33 years old who say he's not a good player, even though he's been one of the best defensive ends for a stinking decade now because he doesn't have 15 sacks. Nobody recognizes it. He's competing against that. Everybody's competing against something existentially. I don't think Nick Sirianni was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Again, it all comes down to where you draw the line in the sand for your definition of competition. I, I'm not drawing it that far down. Everyone knows. The birds have 90 guys on the roster. All 90 of them are competing. No, I don't agree with that. But there's very few that in my mind actually are. There are some. Fletcher Cox is one. I don't believe Fletcher Cox is competing against himself. That far, I'm not going to go. Only with a guy who's coming back from injury, like a Rodney McLeod. I think he is kind of competing against himself. But there's got to be more than just... I want to be a better player, so therefore I'm competing against myself. Now, Rodney McLeod is only on that list because he's coming back from an injury. Same thing with Brandon Brooks. I consider him a guy who's competing because he missed an entire year. When you miss an entire year, you're coming back, you're competing. Even if it is against yourself, you must prove to yourself and the team that you can even play. Now everyone works under the assumption that he's going to come back and be close to the level that he was at before he got hurt, which is one of the best right guards in football, if not the best right guard in football. But we got to see it. And and at least in yeah. camp, when they show up just over two weeks from now, I think you do have to show a little something and you, something you have to well, compete. I would, I would say this. I've been around, around a lot of football guys for a long time, Jody. I once asked Doug Peterson, Martin might have been there. We're going to have Martin Frank on after the break. I, I once asked Doug Peterson about the butterfly effect. He didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Football guys are football guys. They're not existential, Jody. Nick Sirianni, you're going way too deep for a guy who loves ball like Nick Sirianni. He's talking about competition, and there's not a lot of competition. There probably should be more competition, especially on the on the defensive side of the football. And there isn't. And and by the way, I will say this, though, Jody. Last thing. If you have a lot of competition on your football team, that says one thing. You don't have a very good football team. So that's the positive spin. Well, but I'm see, I'm only looking at it from 15 days from now when they show up in camp. Competitions could be won pretty quickly, um, even in camp. Surely when a couple of preseason snaps are had uh, prior to the season and then week number one. By the time we start week number one, a couple of the competitions that I'm saying are actually in place that most people may disagree with could already by, be won by that point. Two or three weeks into the season, they could be won. I think the amount of competitions 
can shrink on a week-in, week-out basis during the regular season. But I think you are truly underselling the emotional intelligence of the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're selling Nick Sirianni way short here, McMullen. I'm sorry about that. I was sticking up for my guy, Nick. I, I think, and there's a butterfly effect of doing that. But Nick Sirianni or Doug Peterson wouldn't know that. Yes, yes, there is. I see. There you go again, taking another shot at Sirianni. All right, fine. He he'll remember this, McMullen. It is McDonald McMullen here with you on Birds Three Sixty Five, the Mac and Mac guys. Uh, as John already alluded to it, Martin Frank's going to join us coming up next. Now he's a guy who's got a, emotional intelligence. I'm very much looking forward to bringing Martin Frank into it. He's next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Monday get-together here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys, who uh, try almost every single day to bring in emotional intelligence. Well, we've achieved our goal today, because joining us right now from uh, down in the first state is our buddy Martin Frank. Martin, Jody Mac and Johnny Mac here. How's your summer going? going pretty well been playing a lot of rock paper scissors trying to get ready for training camp you know keeping the competition going as much as possible finding competition there we go martin whatever little games i can play you know just to keep myself sharp and there's what jody was talking about the emotional intelligence i saw you popped on while we were having that discussion uh about competition about nick sirianni yeah, so so where are we? Which one of us is right, Martin? You be the judge. You bring down the gavel. What's Nick Sirianni? Is Nick Sirianni being existential, or is he the normal football guy saying this guy's competing against this guy and he's overblowing some of the competition a little bit? Um, well, you know, he's blowing he's overblowing a lot of it sometimes, but it's it is kind of funny because you have to have competition, I guess in training camp or at least bring that kind of um uh-oh is martin freezing up on us martin froze up on us we'll try to get martin back we'll try to pop him up but it's interesting because we were having that back and forth and martin i think he was going down my route but uh you know you had a difficult argument there because you are talking about football guys and they are about football 24 7 and when they talk about competition, they're talking about competition, holding off this guy, holding off that guy. And by the way, when when you say I'm criticizing Nick Sirianni, not really. He's like everybody else, Jody. Every other coach in this league preaches the same thing. He just went really far with it when he went, I think, a little bit probably too far with it, especially you start with the quarterback. You start with Jalen Hurts. I mean – Look, Jalen Hurts is a second-year player with four career starts. He probably should be competing against somebody for this job. However, the Eagles don't have somebody in a position to push him anyway. So it it becomes a situation where we all know who's going to be the week one starter anyway. And and that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But you could argue, hey, you got to push the kid. you got to push him. But I think he has that in him anyway. Right. The difference between you and I is a competition. You're looking at week one. Yes, I agree. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter week one. Is he going to be the starter all 16 weeks? No. That he's not locked into. No. Uh, if no. if there is the possibility he could be replaced, well, then I think that person, in, uh, as soon as camp opens up, should be in competition. They should look at it as a competition. There's very few guys that you know are going to start week one, week 17, and every week in between, no matter what their level of play. That's the way I'm defining competition. You might, you certainly have it different, and we're debating on how uh, the coach defines it. Well, Carson uh, Wentz proved that, Jody. I mean, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz played himself off the field. So anybody can play themselves off the field. But I guess the point is the Fletcher Cox is the world, the Carson Wentz is the world. They had a long rope. You got to play really bad. You got to you got to play to the point where you're expected to be a top ten player at your position, like Carson Wentz was, and all of a sudden you're the worst player at your position. And then maybe you get pulled off the field, kicking and screaming. So from that standpoint, yes, 
anybody can play themselves off the field. Martin Frank has played himself back on the field, <laughs> I believe. We yes. got a smiling face. So there's Martin. Chime in with your thoughts on this competition. All right. Well, I think like you have to look at the competition as kind of like a two-year thing. I mean, you know, you look you mentioned Jalen Hurts. Yes, he's gonna be the starting quarterback week one, but in a sense, he's like competing against someone the Eagles might want to draft in, in 2022 at quarterback in the first round. I mean, if he doesn't play well this year, you know, they're going to draft a quarterback um, and he won't be the guy. Now, you know, it's also like that, like at other positions too, you look at the offensive line. I mean, yes, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu are, are the starters, but you know, in 2022 is, is Kelsey going to retire? Is, is Brooks going to come back? Um, you know, what's can Lane Johnson stay healthy? And, you know, you got guys that they've drafted the past couple of years um, who, who might come in and take the spot. I mean, obviously, Landon Dickerson's going to play somewhere in 2022 as a starter. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be the center? Is he going to be a right guard, a left guard? Um, you know, they could draft somebody in the first round again next year. You know, and you look at obviously you have you do have the competition left tackle with Dillard and Andre Dillard and Jordan Melata, but. I mean, are those guys, whoever wins that competition, are, is, are those guys going to be the starter in 2022? I mean, there's competition there, too. So it's like a three-way deal, left tackle. I mean, not only are they competing against themselves for this year, but they're also competing to be the starter going forward after that. So it's kind of like that, like in a lot of different positions. Yeah, I mean, it might seem like Fletcher Cox, for example, is obviously going to be the starter at, at defensive tackle, but is he going to come back in 2022? What about Brandon Graham? You know, guys like that. A lot of veterans, yeah, they seem obviously going to be set this year, but what about the future? I mean, that's that's what those guys are probably competing against, you know, to kind of show Nick Sirianni that they can be the guys going forward beyond this year. Here's how far I'll take my uh, competition belief. And it's not just player A against player B. That That's cut and dry. There's a whole bunch of guys on this Eagle team that they know they're player A. So they... You don't have to worry about player B. But there were more competitions than that, as in, like, how much you're going to do this upcoming season. I think Devonta Smith's in competition. Now, you're talking to as big a Devonta Smith as you could find in the Delaware Valley. I can easily say I was on the the Devonta Smith bandwagon before almost anybody else in Philadelphia because I loved the kid as a junior at Alabama. I said I would take him off the Rudy of uh, 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 Judy's and the rugs that were picked in the first round last year. So I've been a fan of his a long time. I don't care. He's in competition this year, competing for number of balls thrown his way. The Eagles use their first round draft pick on him. They've got high expectations. Everybody's talking him up a blue streak. But Jalen, he needs to come in and prove that he's worthy of having the ball thrown his way a hundred some odd times this year. And the more that he does in preseason, the more that he leads up to the season, the more he does once the season starts, that number is going to grow. I think the Eagles are leaning toward him being their number one guy and are planning on, but if he comes in and he doesn't live up to their internal expectations, he's not going to get the ball as much as maybe some of us think. So I would say even that Devonta Smith is competing. He's competing against the coach's expectations. Is that a fair way to look at it, Martin? It is, but then you also have to look at the 
alternative. I mean, if, if he's not getting a hundred balls thrown his way this year, I mean, they're in pretty big trouble. I mean, you know, I mean, unless Rager shows that he's, you know, could be the guy um, beyond that. I mean, you know, you got a lot of question marks. I mean, obviously Dallas Goddard's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way and everything, but you know, Devontae Smith, I guess is in competition in that, in that point of view, but, it, but if he can't handle it, I mean, they're, they're in big trouble because that's two years in a row they've drafted a wide receiver in the first round. And if they can't come through, I mean, I don't know what you do after that. I mean, you pretty much have to like sign every expensive free agent you can and make yeah. a trade. I mean, you know, yeah. He's, so yeah, technically he is in competition, but if he can't win that, that competition, they're in big trouble. All right, Martin, I'm going to throw one at you that nobody talks about. Certainly a guy who should have competition that doesn't have competition. And that's the punter of this team, Aaron Sipos. And people go, you know, we have two hours to talk about this minutia. So we're going to talk about it. Nobody talks about the punter. Never punted in an NFL game. Now, I know you and I, Martin, we used to talk to Dave Bipp, and we used to ask Dave Bipp questions about why doesn't Jake Elliott have competition? Why doesn't Cam Johnson have competition? And he would say, well, they're competing against everybody else in the league in different cities. If they don't perform their job, we'll just bring somebody else in. But there's a big difference from somebody standing right next to you every day on the practice field, maybe booming a punt while you're shanking a punt versus, okay, maybe somebody in Detroit who's not going to be the main punter is all of a sudden playing pretty well in the preseason. For a, for a coach, for a team, for an organization that preaches competition, how could you have Aaron Seaposs and say, oh, here's your job, Aaron Seaposs? Who the hell's Aaron Seaposs, Martin Frank? I, I I agree totally. I mean, and what about Jake Elliott? I mean, he's coming off the worst the worst year of his career. They didn't bring in another kicker, as far as I can tell. Um, no, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, you know, it is possible they could they could get somebody. You know, if those guys aren't doing the job, they can get somebody up. You know, off the waiver wire. I mean, you know, that's how they got Jake Elliott in the first place. He was was he, he was on the bench yeah. squad, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there so. You know, it's possible. I mean, I, I also find it curious they didn't have anybody – they didn't bring anybody in at least at punter or kicker. I mean, you're going with, uh, you know, a punter you mentioned, unproven, has never punted in an NFL game, and you're also going with the kicker coming off the worst year of his career. I think he missed like a 22-yard field goal, didn't he? And a couple 30-yarders. Yeah, and Jake, I always shake that Jake is great at everything. Rock, paper, scissors, <laughs> golf, basketball, <laughs> trick shots except 33-yard extra points and 22-yard field goals. He's great at everything except the gimme kicks. He's even great at 50-yard kicks. He's great. Yeah. But get him in 33 yards and you got some iffy questions, some yips. I'll tell you what. I actually agree with uh, FIP. And if that were not the way of the National Football League, then you could roll your eyes at him. But how many times over the course of the year do we see – it, not here in Philadelphia at all times, but uh, judging all 32 teams. Yeah, they just cut the punter and bring in a new guy. It does happen in the league all the time. They just yeah. cut the kicker and bring in a new guy. It's not like there isn't a track record of this happening. When the coach is talking about it and saying, well, we're judging everyone else in every other team in every other town. 
Yeah, they are, because it happens all the time in the National Football League. So if Aaron Seifert gets off to a bad start, has two bad weeks kicking, yeah, I think he'll be out of here. And the Eagles will bring in somebody else off the quote-unquote scrap heap, and he'll be the new punter of the Philadelphia Eagles. I do think that's realistic. Well, it happens all the time. Let me jump in before you, Martin, then you can give your thoughts. I'm not saying it happens all the time. You're right, Jody. That's how a lot of teams do it. But there have been punting competitions. I mean, Cam Johnson was here when Donnie Jones was here, trying to push him at the end of his career. This is not rare, punting competitions around the league. If you don't have a proven punter, that's why I didn't bring up Jake Elliott. Martin's right. You could say Jake Elliott had his worst year, but he's a proven NFL kicker. Aaron Sipas has never punted in an NFL game. There should be another punter in here pushing him. And the fact that you talk about competition and the realization that the NFL does this business where punters are a dime a dozen, maybe that's an issue. Maybe you should be a little innovative. We talked about innovative thinking. Maybe have a backup plan, not go, oh, this guy can't do it. Where's my phone? Let me call somebody at the last minute. Am I crazy? Yeah, I, I find it I find it strange. I mean, unless they feel this guy's like the second coming or whatever. I mean, you got I think you have to have at least two punters. I mean, you have to have two punters in camp this year. I mean, just to see who can win the job. I mean, it just seems kind of strange. That's all. All right, Martin, I'm going to ask this question of you and John together, but I want you to answer first because we've got good manners here on Birds 365, and you're an invited guest, so you get to go first. Great. I, if you've watched this ever before, Martin, John is already getting tired of me doing this, but I love it. Uh, it's a hypothetical <laughs> question, but it's not all that hypothetical, okay? I'd say the chances of it happening is about 98%. First availability with the media after the Eagles' first workout, whenever they decide to let you guys get your first question to Nick Sirianni, who of your contingent, you Eagle beat guys, is going to be the guy who's going to look at Nick Sirianni through the Zoom lens and say, Coach, what about Zach Ertz? Zach Ertz is still a member of the team. Zach Ertz either shows up for the first workout or he doesn't, or they've got him in a hotel somewhere because he wants to report, but they don't actually want him there. At the facilities, who's going to be? Which of the Eagle Beat guys is going to be the one who's going to ask Nick Upbeat, emotionally intelligent, competition-driven Sirianni, how about that uh, Zach Ertz? Is he going to come in and compete for the Eagles' tight end job? Who's going to be the one out of the crew of you guys that's going to actually do that to the coach? I, I think it'll be like one of the people who get like one of the first few questions. Could be Johnny Mack. I mean, he's usually like right up there at the beginning. Um, someone like McManus, Tim McManus, keep with the Mick um, theme going and everything. You know, it, it'll be one of the first questions because that's obviously that's one of like the main elephants in the room is like, what's going on with Zach Ertz? Why is he still – you know, technically on the roster, why hasn't he been traded, you know, released? Is he going to show up? Is he not going to show up? I mean, chances of, you know, it's probably he's not going to show up. I mean, I can't see him showing up at all. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be one of the first questions. I mean, what's going on with Zach Ertz? Why is he still on the roster? Um, it'll be pretty quickly as far as I'm concerned in the Nick Sirianni press conference. And by the way, that's an unfair question for Nick Sirianni, but that's part of the job when you're the Eagles head coach because you're not involved in that decision, but 
Howie's not going to talk to us. Jeffrey's not going to talk to us about these types of issues. So you're the face of the franchise. Nick yeah. Sirianni, let's throw you into the deep end of the pool. You got to handle these types of questions. Even by the way, it has nothing to do with you other than the fact that the head, that the head coach and, and this new coaching staff has sort of formulated their plans and Dallas Goddard is going to be the, the number one tight end on this team. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're moving forward. So it would probably be helpful to Nick Sirianni if Howie Roseman could cut the vacation a little bit short, make a decision, say, you know what? He's not part of our plans. Let's just move on. Martin, that's where I'm going to go with the next question. Is that the way Howie Roseman should handle this, or should he go the way he's going, which is I want to win this trade at all costs. I want to win. Sometimes you have to maybe take a step back to take two forward. Is that the way you would look at it? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, at this point, if, if he if he hasn't had made any kind of decision on, on Zach Ertz by now, I mean, he's probably just going to wait it out. I mean, you know, once you start training camp, injuries happen. Yeah. You know, there'll be a team looking for a tight end. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, obviously, are, are a team that could use a good tight end. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz with the Colts and everything like that. I mean, something will shake itself out. I mean, you know, the fact that Howie hasn't done anything yet, it's kind of like an indication he's going to like drag this out as long as possible, which, you know, I find kind of curious, but at the same time, that's kind of like the way he's been doing it. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this went on into like early mid August, you know, before something happened. I mean, I'd like to think, you know, before the regular season starts, they would have some kind of resolution one way or the other. I mean, not only for the Eagles sake, you know, but also for Zach Ertz. I mean, you know, He'll, he'll be sitting there in limbo for what the past five months now going back to February. I mean, it's, you know, time for him to move on as well. I mean, you know, I think, I think it, it behooves everybody to kind of like just get this over with and everything. But yeah, if it goes into August, I think, I think that's very possible at this point. I think how he's pretty much resolute in his, um in his thinking that he's going to get something for Zach Ertz at all costs. And, you know, if he has to wait until August, then he will. I mean, at this point. All right. Well, since you went there, then I'm going to ask this question. Zach Ertz certainly made it obvious enough that he wants to restart his career somewhere else, that the Eagles didn't renegotiate his deal, that he's very disappointed in that. We do have a new coaching staff in place, so certain things can change. But uh, the fact that how he's still running the show and, uh, controlling the purse strings is going to bother uh, the tight end. But he never said, and I'm not showing up. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay has certainly hinted at, I may not show up. Zach Ertz has never gone that far. If we get to the reporting date, and then we have several weeks of camp before the first preseason game, and then several more weeks before the first regular season game, Zach Ertz has not said, I'm not showing up. What if he shows up? Do they bring him in? Is he going to get on a uniform? Is he going to go out and run some reps and take some snaps? Or are the Eagles going to say, listen, uh, we don't really want you here at the facilities. If you're telling us you're ready to play, we're not ready to take you in. How is it going to play if Zach Ertz shows up? Yeah, I, I can't see that. I can't see that happening. I mean, even if, like, the scenario you presented – if Ertz says, yeah, I'm going to show up, I mean, I think the Eagles are like, no, you know what, just why don't you just stay away? Um, we won't find you or whatever. 
you know, just, yeah, I mean, because that's kind of happened in the past, I think, like, uh, you know, teams told, told players to kind of stay away and everything like that. I mean, it just, I, I can't see that happening. I think, like, you know, even as soon as Nick Sirianni got the job back in January, I mean, they kind of knew that, that Zach Ertz wouldn't be a part of the future. So I don't think all of a sudden they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should bring Zach Ertz back and let's design some plays for him. Let's make him a big part of the offense. I mean, I think, you know, Sirianni kind of got the job. No, I mean, for many reasons, but one of them being that, you know, they're moving on in a lot of positions and tight end is first and foremost among those. I mean, Dallas Goddard's going to be the guy at some point. They're going to sign him to a, to an extension they're not going to let him get to free agency and everything like that so i think they made their decision i I just i can't see any kind of scenario where zach Ertz is like running routes in training camp whether he's if he's still on the team and you know i think i mean i'd like to think this gets resolved pretty quickly but like i said before if it goes in you know first few weeks of august you know that still gives Ertz a lot of time you know like close to a month to get ready for the regular season with this new team. I mean, I can't, I can't see any kind of situation where he's, he's catching passes uh, in training camp from Jalen Hurts or Nick Mullins or Joe Flacco. Nick Mullins. Yeah. The Nick Mullins reference. Yeah. But you know, Martin, I want to bring up and I want to give Andrew Brandt credit for this because he was on the show last week with us and he obviously ran the Packers for years. He was with the Eagles for a short period as well. Um, he had mentioned the CBA doesn't allow you to do that, the new CBA. So if Zach Ertz isn't here, he gets fined $40,000 per day, and uh, the Eagles can't waive that fine. They used to be back in the day, teams would just go, okay, we're going to fine you, we're going to fine you, we're going to fine you. They work things out, they just waive the fines. You're not allowed to do that anymore. So – Andrew, being the bright guy he is, I didn't even think of this. How can teams get around that? They could have Zach Ertz report but not come on the field right. and work out something with him behind the scenes and say, okay, we're, we're, we're trying to move you. But my point is the brilliance of Andrew's, you know, thinking outside the box and getting something like that done. My, my take on that is if you're Howie Roseman – why do you want your rookie head coach going through that? He's got enough problems already to start his first training camp and all the logistics and all the questions and everything that's going to be coming down him, coming down on him on a day-to-day basis. Why do you want to add to that plate again for the rookie head coach? That's a good question. I mean, I mean, in the general scheme of things, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference. I mean, I don't think, you know, Nick Sirianni is saying, oh, wait a minute, do I have to make some kind of arrangement for Zach Ertz? Do I have to, like, you know, design plays for him and everything like that? I mean, I think they already know. I mean, I think they've already moved on and everything. So I'm not sure that's going to be a big thing weighing on Nick Sirianni's mind. I mean, I think they've already made up their minds in that that regard. I mean, at least they should have by now if they haven't. You would um, think. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that a head coach has to deal with. You mentioned earlier, I mean, he's the face of the franchise. He's got to answer all these questions because Howie Roseman isn't going to be answering him until, you know, he speaks to the media, which I think is probably cut down day, right? Um, Yeah. You know, and Jeffrey Lurie, same thing. I mean, he doesn't talk until, like, maybe the week before the season. So, you know, it's good practice for Nick Sirianni. Kind of dealing (laughs) with the adversity right off the bat, you know? (laughs) 
It's a good no, point. I can handle look, it. Doug, look, Doug Peterson look. had his ups and downs with that. You know, we'll see if Nick Sirianni could be better. Let's stick now, with that coach. Um, over the weekend, Jeff Skowerski uh, from 6ABC had a chance to talk to Lane Johnson. And Lane bent over backwards, at least verbally, to throw a bone to his new head coach, Nick Sirianni, has said he is doing a great job uh, commanding and leading the team. They've had a handful of workouts and practices during this offseason. It was limited. Shoot, it was cut back by the Eagles so they didn't have to call anything mandatory just to get the number of guys who would show up for the non-mandatories up in a negotiation with the union and the like. So I don't know how much time Nick Sirianni has actually had to show his wares, show uh, what he's accomplished as the head coach, but at least in Lane Johnson's eyes, he's shown plenty. And that uh, when your Pro Bowl right tackle is saying you've done a great job commanding the room, that does say something. How much do we read into that? Is that Lane Johnson just being a good Philadelphia Eagle, or is Nick uh, Sirianni actually doing things, opening minds with the few, and I do use that word few, chances he's had to actually coach up these players so far. Yeah, well, you know, um, what I found interesting, like pretty much every player we've um, talked to during the spring has pretty much said the same thing. I mean, they, they go out of their way to mention like his energy, his leadership, the way he makes, you know, practices fun so far. I mean, we saw like the last practice at, at the stadium, he had all these gadgets set up and everything like that, and you know, I mean, that's the thing. You got to, you know, for a new guy coming in with a lot of veterans on the team, a guy who's never been a head coach before, you have to make an impression pretty much right away. You know, if you know, if you want to keep guys like Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, I mean, Darius Slay, veterans like that, they can see through, like, you know, if you're if you're real or not. If, if you're, you know, if you're just like a rah-rah, phony type of guy. I mean, those kind of players can – see through that and then you know they stop playing and that trickles down to the rest of the team so the fact that you know guys like lane johnson and jason kelsey are saying those things about Sirianni is obviously a feather in his cap and it's a good sign going forward i mean you know if you're a new head coach you have to make it fun you have to be able to get these guys the veterans especially to like buy into what you're selling and then you know pass that along to the younger guys and show them how the way that's done i mean you know, so it's a good sign, I mean, going forward. But, you know, like you said, we've only had a handful of practices. And, you know, those weren't even like 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11s. 11 11. I mean, we'll get the real test of that in training camp. And, you know, if he's one of those guys who, like, you know, really long, hard practices and everything like that, um, it's going to be, you know, players will pick up on that pretty quickly. And, and it might not work out so well. So, you know, we only have a snippet so far. We don't have much, but yeah. we'll find out more in training camp. All right. Last one from me, Martin, and we're about two weeks out. So everybody uh, bookmark DelawareOnline.com to make sure you read Martin Frank leading into training camp and throughout training camp. It's getting too close for me, Martin. So <laughs> little little inside baseball here with our buddy Bob Throats. What's the hard angle of training camp? What are you most looking for? Give me one storyline you're most looking forward to covering that's interesting to you. Oh, man. You know, there are actually quite a few, but um, I mean, the obvious one would be the left tackle position, you know, with Andre Dillard and, and Jordan Maylotta. I mean, it, it's kind of a fascinating situation. I mean, Dillard was their number one pick. 
two years ago and and it was with the understanding that he would be you know sitting for a year behind jason peters he ended up getting into like three or four games that year kind of like mixed results and everything like that and then you know he got hurt all last year so he didn't play so we don't even really know like if this guy's for real. I mean, you know, there was talk that he dropped in the draft because teams weren't convinced about his makeup and everything. So, you know, this is a fascinating story. I mean, Lada obviously is one in himself, you know, being, you know, guy who never even played organized football until the Eagles picked him in the seventh round in 2018. And here he was starting and playing pretty well, you know, towards the end of last year, especially, you know, that's, that's kind of a fascinating story for me. Um, Jalen Hurts is another one. I mean, obviously, you know, is he the quarterback of the future? Or does he have to show to be the quarterback of the future? I mean, you know, he only completed, what, 51, 52% of his passes last year. I mean, that's obviously an issue. Like, if he completes 60% and he runs for, like, seven, 800 yards, I mean, you've got, like, another Lamar Jackson on your hands, basically. Um, So, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. And, you know, and also – you know the defense i mean there's so many situations with the defense that could either like make it surprisingly one of the better ones in the nfl or you know if it doesn't work at all i mean one of the worst i mean it could be pretty ugly obviously so yeah those those are like the main storylines that that people are going to be looking for once training camp starts i mean it's it's going to be interesting i mean good or bad I mean, you know, the Eagles are never dull, and and this situation is obviously one where it could either be really, really bad or really, really good, and we'll find out. You know, beginning in two weeks, I'm looking forward to it already. I, I'm going to follow up on the last point you just made about the quarterback because this is the National Football League we're talking about, right? Where the quarterback <laughs> dictates basically everything. Uh, Jalen Hurts, first year as the starter, game number one. We got the peak at him last year for the games that he did. And let's be honest, what kind of stood out was his ability to run with the football. And we know that you have to be able to pass the football at the quarterback position. Um, But Lamar Jackson makes an argument for running the football being a key component to potentially winning in the NFL. He won the MVP with his ability to run the football. And if... Jalen Hurts can do Lamar Jackson-like things here in Philadelphia. I think that will help the Eagles be a better football team than maybe most people are projecting. But Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy who's going to decide on a lot of those plays. And we've all talked about what he's doing. Is he competing against himself this year because he's not a lock to be the quarterback next year? He needs to keep that in the back of his mind every single minute of every single day. I got to win this job for the next several coming years. Is that going to lend himself to running the same as he did last year, more than he did last year, or less than he did last year? I'm going to ask you to try and mind meld with uh, the Eagles quarterback here for a second. How does he look at his running capabilities? Is it something he wants to make even grow more? Is it something he thinks he needs to cut back on? We saw what he did last year. This year, is it going to be more or less? And is he going to decide that because he knows his fate is in his hands? I think it's not a question of like running more or less. I think it's a question of finding the the best spots to run. Um, I think a lot of times last year, if you go back and look at his tape, 
I mean, I think that was kind of like his first reaction. Like he didn't see anybody open, boom, take off and run. I mean, I think you have to kind of like pick your spots better. I don't think you can just do that right away if you don't see your, your first option open. I mean, you know, if he can't, if he doesn't see Devontae Smith going deep, you know, and, and, and throw it right away, then, you know, check down, throw it to Dallas Goddard over the middle or throw it to Greg Ward or, you know, something like that, or look the other way to Jalen Rager. I mean, you know, I think he has to be better in making those kind of decisions more so than just whether or not to run or not. I mean, because obviously he can run, and obviously if he does get in the open field, he can be pretty dangerous. But if you're doing that too much and you're not throwing to the receivers, the guys that they, you know, the guys that they picked in the first round the last couple of years or you're missing those guys, then that's the bigger issue as far as I'm concerned. And that's kind of Jalen Hurts' test going into this year. I mean, he has to pick his spots better, when to run, when to pass, and he also can't miss wide-open guys. I mean, we saw that with Carson Wentz, like, too often last year, obviously, which is why he's not here. So, you know, if that happens with Jalen Hurts, he won't be here next year either. So, yeah, I think I think it's not a question of whether he'll run more or less. I think it's just a question of whether he'll run better, if that makes any sense. It surely does. Martin, good stuff. Uh, get ready for some quality grass time <laughs> with John McMullen. It is just around the corner. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll certainly get John once Eagle Camp opens up again. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Anytime I can get on with John McMullen on the grass is, is a great day for me. So looking forward to it already. There's Martin Frank being a politician, just like Lane Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Martin. Martin Frank here with us on Birds 365. All right, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the politician status of Lane Johnson. Because I got to admit, I was surprised he went as strongly as he, as he did in backing his new head coach. John thinks it's a little bit more of him just doing the right thing, playing the smart card. I'm hoping that it's the actual card that, yes, the coach is actually showing these things. We'll come back and continue to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW local. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 Union Contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Magamac guys on Bird 365. John mm-hmm. McMullen, Jody McDonald, uh, getting... Down to the nitty and the gritty. We're just over two weeks away from the opening of camp. So we're uh, certainly talking about the birds and competition and what's going to happen when this camp opens. And, yes, I did a lot of reading, and we'll get into this uh, Lane Johnson thing in just a second. I was surprised by it. I didn't see it on 6ABC. Uh, They had it on uh, Pro Football Talk. They recapped what Lane Johnson said about uh, head coach Nick Sirianni to uh, Jeff Skowarski. Uh, but I did want to run this one other thing by you before we get to uh, Lane Johnson stuff. And, man, it just floored me. And and I wish I could have not read it the way I wanted to because I would have loved to put myself to the test because I guarantee you I would have failed the test. So I'm going to give you the test instead, McMullen. <laughs> um, going into the 2021 season, if you've seen this, uh, please blurt it right out and take credit for it. But, man, I didn't get this. Um, who do you believe is the career rushing touchdown leader in the National Football League of active players going into the 2021 season? Uh, well, I didn't see it. I don't know it. Right off the top of my head, uh, 
Adrian Peterson is not signed. Correct. Is that correct? Uh, that would be my first guess, but he is not a officially signed. So I would imagine he would be the leader as far as who would number two. Is Frank Gore's not signed either. Correct. Uh, who the heck would it be? Uh, yeah, you're stumping me right off yes. the bat. Um, he's been around for a while. Let me add to the mix. Shady McCoy, not signed. Not signed. Yeah, Shady. By the way, Shady shouldn't be signed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't come up with one. Top TD rusher of players who are under contract for the 2021 season. You rattled off three really good ones, guys who uh, were in the league last year. And if yeah. they still were, would have more than the guy who is the actual leader. You know who it is? Cam Newton. Wow. Yeah. A quarterback. That. Yeah, it makes sense, though. But it, yeah, it does. When you hear it, you go, oh, shoot, that's right. Yeah. Cam, a quarterback is the leading all-time TD rush for anyone who's on a roster going into 2021. And not only did it just floor me when I read that this weekend, but it gave me hope that maybe, yes, this is a 12 to 14 touchdown rushing season for Jalen Hurts, that he can be the next Cam Newton. I asked that question to Martin Frank just when we had him on, because I think that is a really interesting dynamic for this upcoming season. I was really impressed with Jalen Hurts running the football last year. Uh, We've had that here in Philadelphia before. We've had Michael Vick. Shoot, when Donovan McNabb first came in, his first couple of years in the league, he used to take off and make major plays with his legs. And for those of us old enough that do remember back to the ultimate weapon, Randall Cunningham, when Randall would take off with those long strides and turn it upfield, those were highlight-type plays. Randall, Randall was a human highlight-type film. I think Jalen Hurts could do that this year. And I asked it of Martin Frank, so let me ask it of you, John McMullen. Is it a good thing or a bad thing when Jalen Hurts takes off with the football this upcoming season? Um, I'm going to answer that two ways. I think it's a good thing short term. I think it's a bad bad uh, thing long term. You bring Cam Newton is, to me, it's kind of, what are you going to look at the glass, Jody? Half full, half empty. I mean, that dude is as big a guy who has played the quarterback position maybe since Dante Culpepper. I mean, there has not been a more powerfully built player to play the quarterback position. And you just talked about the success of Cam Newton, all the touchdowns, former MVP of the league, you know, went to the Super Bowl, had a 15-1 and team, I think, the one year. You know, he was a spectacular player, and even he got banged up. And even he is just a shell of himself because if you keep taking those hits, and I got news for you, Jalen Hurts is incredibly powerful, by the way. People don't realize. He used to be a a power lifter in high school, early in his college career. Extremely powerful guy. He's not Cam Newton from a physical perspective. I mean, Cam Newton is just a specimen, and even he got beat up. If you get hit in this league, it might not be immediate, but there is an accumulation of those hits, and you see it at the running back position. You don't have to even look at the quarterback position. 
Look at the history of this league, Jody, when guys touch it a ton, when they touch it 350, 400 times at running back. And then quickly, it might not be the next year, but quickly two years down the line, they might be completely used up and out of the league. You know, people are already talking about that with Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. Is he the same guy uh, because he's touched it so much over the years? Um, it it wears on you. That's my concern long term. And I always talk about it's a ticking time bomb. And people say, Lamar Jackson doesn't get hit, doesn't get hit. You know what? They're right up until he does get hit and up until the injuries start to accumulate. And they will. It gets everybody, Jody. All right, so let me, and I started asking this question, and you gave us a good answer about uh, it being good short-term, but uh, not good long-term. Let me make you a general manager of a football team, not the Philadelphia Eagles, pick a team, any team that that aren't the birds. Uh, And you're a general manager, and you're a team that needs a change at the quarterback position. And oh, by the way, you've got the number one overall pick. Because Cam Newton was the number one overall pick in the draft 2011. I think it's a full decade ago. Um, And he had the career that he's had to this point. And I think he's got one more year left in New England, which he could extend if he has a really big year. He's the starting quarterback, keeps Mac Jones on the bench. Patriots go back to the playoffs. Even if he's not staying in New England, he'll extend his career for at least one more year, at least as a backup, if not a starter somewhere else. So, I get it that the whole book on Cam Newton is not written yet, but the majority of it is. If you've got the number one pick and the football gods tell you as the general manager of Team X, Y, or Z, if you take this player in the draft, he will give you Cam Newton's career. Cam Newton's career being what it is, the accomplishments being the accomplishments, uh, MVP award, Super Bowl appearance, um, the X amount of yards, passing, running, and everything. If you know you're going to get Cam Newton's career part two with the number one draft pick, or you could take any other quarterback, and he could be Tom Brady, or he could be uh, some guy who just never cut it and was a major disappointment. Why am I zotsing on the guy? Oh, uh, Ryan Leaf. Uh, not Peyton Manning. You could get Peyton Manning. You could get Ryan Leaf. Or you could take quarterback uh, behind door number three, who is the reincarnation of Cam Newton. Which would you rather do? Would you rather take the given of Cam Newton, both the upsides and the downsides? It's a decade plus whatever the back end of the plus is that we don't know yet. Um, or would you roll the dice that you could get Peyton Manning or you could get Ryan Leaf? What would you do if you were the general manager with that information? Well, I I always kind of put Tom Brady aside because that's not fair. I mean, the guy's winning Super Bowls at 42 or however old he is. So that's not fair. That's not normal. Uh, That's not going to happen. But I look at the other guys, Jody, and I look at the Drew Breeses of the world and the Phillip Riverses of the world and the Matt Ryans of the world. Here's how I answer it. If you draft Cam Newton number one overall and you get that career, it's a success. It is a success. No question about it. It is a success. But ultimately, I want the guy who can play into his 40s at a high level because they allow it now. They allow it. 
So if you can find that quarterback and not have to worry about that position or forget about a decade, everybody talks about a decade. Yeah, we're talking 20 years. Uh, if you can have a run with one team now, it never happens. Drew Brees, you saw. Uh, Philip Rivers, you saw. Uh, Tom, Even Tom Brady moved at the end. So that's rare, but that's always off the field stuff. I want the guy who can play forever because it's so hard to find a quarterback in this league. Now, there are other GMs who are going the exact opposite way. We've, we've talked about this with a lot of guys and saying, well, let's, ro- let's keep rotate this thing over and saying, you know what? There's no value of having the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the NFL paying him $30 million a year as opposed to having a young guy like Jalen Hurts that you're paying essentially nothing and might be able to get you near the same win total. It's sort of like the money ball approach to football. And you keep turning it over and turning it over and turning it over. The key part is finding the Tom Brady or the Drew Breeses or the Phillip Rivers. But if you find him, I always say hold on to him like grim death. Just hold on to him, squeeze every last ounce of juice out of them. Because it, it's just too hard to find quarterbacks in this league. I, I hear what you're saying. I think it was funny that you said, uh, I don't look at Tom Brady because that's the exception, not the rule. But then you said, I want a quarterback who can play for 20 years. Yeah, but well, other guys have, Jody. That's why I brought up Drew Brees and 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 Philip Rivers and Matt they're Ryan not, they're not, and Aaron they're not 20 years. Yeah, Brees but they're close. Well, Brees is. Brees is, was. Brees played into his 40s. Rivers uh, played, what, was he 39 last year? Um, Ryan's going to get there. Rodgers is going to get there. They allow people to play because of the way the game is played, the way they protect the quarterbacks. If you play that certain style, you can play into your 40s. Now, some guys don't want to play in their 40s. Some guys can't. Most guys can't. But it's a theme now, not at the level of success. The reason I put Brady off to the side is because, oh, he's got – 100 Super Bowls along with it, and the other guys don't. But the other guys played at a really high level for a really long time. And oh, the way, uh, oh, by the way, Jody, much like Charles Barkley with Michael Jordan or Carl Malone with Michael Jordan, they're blocked a lot of the time by Tom Brady. And I didn't bring up, you brought up Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning played after neck surgery till about 40. Um, Same type of quarterback as well. That's what I'm saying. I want that type of quarterback. I put Brady aside because of all the championships, which is unrealistic. Right, but he's also played longer than anybody else. None of them made it to 20 years. Might have made it to 40, which is 18 years, um, but uh, Brady is now still going past his 20 years in the National Football League, which makes him the absolute exception to the rule. So you actually believe that Jalen Hurts is running is going to handicap. Do you believe the Eagles think that? That's the way I should ask the question. They know it. They know you have a shorter span. Everybody knows it. But of of those quarterbacks I've mentioned, everybody knows if you play a certain style and you're going to run the football more, you're not going to last to 38, 39, 40. You're not going to last. You're just not. I mean, you have to change the way you play the game if you want to play that long. 
A, you're going to lose your athleticism. You're not going to be able to do it. Uh, B, you are going to get hurt. You are going to get banged up. Cam Newton's, again, has gone about as far as you can go with that style of play. And he's still playing, and he's still competent, but he's nowhere where he once was, and he's banged up, man. He's beat up, and that's the type of player you're going to get. That's the ceiling of that type of player is probably Cam Newton. I'm wondering if the National Football League sees it the same way you do, that that is the goal. When you're trying to find that quarterback, when you are going down the drafting high a quarterback road, do you say, yeah, the guy can run now and he's going to be great and we're going to have our window. We may even have a parade, but yeah, he's got no shot to be a quarterback for the next 16, 17 years. Well, no, I don't know, Jody. I don't think they think because no GM is going to be around that long. Maybe except Howie Roseman. <laughs> but, but, you know, the typical GM is thinking about right now because the typical GM has to win or he's going to lose his job. The vast majority. So I'm not saying they're thinking long term. If, if you're asking me philosophically, you know, I just want that position taken care of for 20 years. So maybe I'm talking more like an owner, actually like a GM. GM, I'm just trying to win right now. I'm trying to win one. I'm trying to win one. So that's where I bring up the short shelf life uh, may not be as important. A lot of GMs, that's why I mentioned the turnover. They're saying, well, I don't want to pay. And I always use Kirk Cousins, probably unfair, because I think Kirk is a very good quarterback, but he's not good enough. So why am I paying Kirk Cousins $30 to be a little bit better than – you know, a guy in the third year of his contract who I'm paying nothing. I think that's a valid question. The overly existential John McMullen answer is what he <laughs> gave us about keeping a guy around for 20 years. Okay, now I understand. I uh, want to have some fun with this with you. Our buddies over at Bleeding Green Nation, not Brandon Lee Downton, uh, but John Stolness did this oh, about a week ago, four or five days ago. They had it up on uh, Bleeding Green Nation, and I wanted to see uh, your order of it. The kind of list we put together a couple of weeks before camp opens. We've got to talk about something. And, yes, the Eagles aren't on the field. Yes, Zach Kurtz is still on the roster. Yes, they have not signed Steven Nelson yet. All the things we're expecting to happen that haven't happened yet that may happen over the next two weeks. When it happens, certainly we'll talk about it. But uh, trying to have fun with the Eagles roster right now. The guys over at uh, Bleeding Green Nation, uh, John Stolness, Listed the top 10 Eagles under the age of 25, which means the young guys, guys that have been drafted in the last couple of years. And the order that they would put them in, I'm going to give you his order, which I think is interesting and debatable. And then I'm going to ask you to either move guys around, move them up, move them down, like exactly where they are. Um, At number 10, he's got Kenny Gainwell, which is intriguing into itself. A That's date, awful. A you, don't date, have, you don't have nine, you don't have 10 better players than a fifth round pick. A fifth round pick who's never taken a snap in the National Football League. He's got him at number 10. Okay. Uh, that's not um, good. N- number nine, he's got Jordan Mailata, who may very well be the starting left tackle. And I think that's even intriguing that they're right next to each other. One guy who might not make the team, 
uh, yeah, I think he's going to make the team. I'm not saying my opinion in he's not going to make the team. But there's a chance he doesn't make the team. He's not a lock as a fifth-round pick. My lineup might be the starting left tackle. And they're 9-10, and 10, which is very interesting. Um, J.J. Edwards at number eight. Didn't realize that J.J. was actually under 25 years of age, but he is. Um, yeah. Nate Herbig at number seven who filled in some last year, I would say not a disaster, but didn't wow me that I said, damn, he's going to be chasing somebody's job next year. He's a reserve, but he's not a terrible reserve. Jalen Rager, number six. Again, two guys very close to each other. Jalen Rager, first round pick. Nate Herbig, surprising that he's been as good as he has, are number seven and number six. Number five, Jack Driscoll, which I actually like. And I'm not knocking Nate Herbig, but uh, Driscoll was a draft pick that you wanted to be able to get a peek at in year number one. We did. He wasn't awful. There is uh, room there for improvement. And I like the fact that he's got him in the top five. I think that's a, uh, a nice evaluation of Jack Driscoll. Number four is uh, Mr. Sweat, who's playing for a contract this year. Josh needs to come up big if he wants to stick around as an eagle or get a uh, good deal somewhere else. And then you get three very recognizable names in the top three. He's got uh, Jalen Hurts at number three, Devonta Smith at number two, and Miles Sanders at number one. So now I'll give them to you in reverse order and get your thoughts on it. Miles Sanders, one, Devonta Smith, two, Jalen Hurts, three, Josh Sweat, four, Jack Driscoll, five, Jalen Rager, six. Jalen Rager behind Jack Driscoll. That tells you something. Uh, Nate Herbig, seven, TJ Edwards, eight, Jordan Mailata, nine, and Kenny Gainwell, ten. What do you think of our buddy John Stolnes' top 10 rankings of the Eagles under 25 years of age? Well, I'm trying to figure out, you know, because I these demarcation lines are off. I understand why they're doing it, but, you know, who cares if you're 26 or 25? So I'm trying to figure out who exactly is 25. I, I will say, and I'm going to contradict myself, I mean, I think it's ab absurd that Kenny Gainwell is in there. Um and I'm going to put Devontae Smith number one <laughs> for different. I mean, the guy's just a freak. The guy, when I see him on the field, he's just different than everybody else. So I'm going to put him number one, even though he's unproven. And I'm not putting Kenny Gainwell near this list because he is unproven. So I will admit, Jody, that's hypocritical. And those, those kind of fly in the face yeah. of each other there, J-Mac. Yeah. But I mean, one guy is a, is a difference maker. The other guy is is a fifth round pick who has a chance to be a player in this league. I mean, I just think from a skill set level, they're you know far apart to say the least. Um, I think Jordan should be higher. Uh, Jordan Mailata, uh, Jack Jack Driscoll's way too high. I mean, way too high. Herbig's a better player already than Jack. You think Driscoll. Herbig's a better player? Than oh Jack yeah, Nate Herbig played. Not only did he play a ton last year, he played well. Jack, Ris Jack Driscoll, I think you said it best. I wish I could run it back. You said he wasn't terrible. That, that, that kind of, yeah, that was Jack Driscoll. He was forced onto the field in the, some really difficult situations, and he didn't embarrass himself. He's got a long way to go. 
And, you know, as I said, Nate Herbig also forced on the field in very difficult circumstances, but played a lot more and played a lot better. So he should be way ahead. Jalen Rager, that's difficult. I think Josh Sweat should be uh, certainly ahead of Jalen Hurts, probably number three on this list as a more proven player. Um, again, Miles should probably be two, and I'm probably overestimating Devontae Smith a little bit, but I have a lot of confidence in him as a player. Um, your guy, Greg Ward, I'm just looking at my roster. He's still 25. He should be on this list, uh, certainly above Greg, Kenny Greg Ward's not 26 yet? Um, unless he turned 26. This is kind of old. Let me see. Where's Greg? Um, when's his birthday? July 12th. July 12th. Is today July 12th? Yes. It's July 12th. He's 26. So he can't be on there. He's He's out. out. He's He's out. out. He should have been on yesterday. He's out. That's amazing. Actually, uh, as I stated, and I'm pretty sure this, it's under 25. So Greg Ward is now a year and a day too old to make this list. This list, like I said, right. came out a couple of weeks ago, but not just 20. If you were 25, you were eliminated. Oh, okay. Under I, w- I would also say Andre Dillard was 25, so he'll be eliminated as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple guys over, uh, you know, but there, you know, the problem here, Jody, not the order we can debate. The problem is they don't have a lot of good young players. All their good players are old. All their good players are old. That's right. the problem. That's, that's the problem with this team. And they're starting to uh, turn it over, hopefully going in, in, in a great direction. If I look at this list and I say, who has a chance to be a real star, a real, real star at his position? There's one guy. And maybe you can argue a second, Miles Sanders. But you got to make an argument. That's not good. That, to me, is the biggest thing about this list. That's that's very fair. Um, and part of what it is, and maybe we could try and get John Stolnes on, because uh, I at least I'm reading into this, part of what he's doing is reading into it as well. He's projecting a little bit. It's well, not yeah, you have to. Yeah. what you've accomplished so far, because if that were the case, you couldn't even put Devonta Smith on it, because he hasn't taken a snap yet. So part of it has to be... What you're projecting, what you're predicting, what you're seeing in the looking glass, uh, the crystal ball, as to what the player is going to do over the next year, two years, three years. That's why I don't have a problem. I guess I'm with John on this. You're not. I saw upside with Jack Driscoll. I think Nate Herbig is what he is. And you're right. He played uh, more positions last year. He took more snaps last year than Jack Driscoll, Dr- Driscoll did. But I think we saw the best of Nate Herbig. I don't think Nate Herbig comes back this year and is that much better, if better at all, this year than he was last year. And between you and I, we're both hoping we don't see either Jack Driscoll or Nate Herbig. The Eagles stay healthy along the offensive line, and these two guys are standing on the sidelines for the upcoming season. But if that's not the case and injuries happen again, I actually see more upside to Jack Driscoll and the, the small look that we got last year than I did Nate Herbeg. And that's why I, I don't have a problem with him uh, listing Driscoll ahead of a guy like Herbig, because 
uh, five years from now, if we go down the road and say, what was Jack Driscoll's career five years from now? What is Nate Herbig's career from now, uh, five years from now? Yeah, I think Driscoll's going to have the better career. Uh, I, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, I think Nate proved a lot. I think if you ask me who the most underrated player on the Philadelphia Eagles was last season, I would say Nate, Nate Herbig. I, I really would. I, I would say he not only played a lot, he played well. And for whatever reason, a lot of people didn't recognize that. Um, understandably so in a bad season uh, with all the upheaval. There was this weird little uh, hiccup with with Nate Herbig where he was playing well and all of a sudden he wasn't playing. And we found out later is because he was hurt as well and he was pushing through an injury. So they kind of pushed him, uh, pulled him back a little bit. And then he got healthy again. He started playing well again. Now, Jack might end up being a, a really good player. I'm not saying he doesn't have an upside. Uh, but he did not play well last year when he was forced into action. Again, very difficult circumstances, starting with week one, where Lane Johnson is, is going down to Washington, planning on playing, and the trip down, his ankle swelled up. And all of a sudden, Jack, all right, you're up. Jack Driscoll, rookie, first game. You know, and you can imagine against that Washington football team defensive line, Jody. <clears throat> it wasn't great. Um, so I get the guy a lot of credit for fighting through things. We always talk about one of the issues with Andre Dillard was not fighting through things. Jack Driscoll did, man. He fought and he, and he, but I just think Nate played really well. Not, not, I, I mean, I think he's going to be a starting interior offensive lineman in this league. It's difficult to project it here because they have so much talent. Um, and ultimately, he can play all three positions. I, I know I was just reading John's. I just pulled it up. He's talking about Jack Driscoll's versatility. Nate Herbig's far more versatile right. than Jack Driscoll. I mean, Nate Herbig can play all three interior positions. Jack's a right tackle. I mean, he can play right guard. He's uh, not going to play on the left side. So I think he's more versatile as well. I think this is one of those things where we always talk about pedigree versus production. You know, Jack's the draft choice. Jack's supposed to be better. Nate was an undrafted rookie, um, wasn't supposed to make an NFL team, and all of a sudden he starts developing. I think Nate Herbig's a really good player. Okay. Um, I, I do agree with you that the if you're talking about versatility drives today, Herbig was the more versatile of the two players, and I think he'll be the more versatile of the two players going forward. But last year, and, and I don't know how much uh, coaches film, you got a chance to break down. Uh, I didn't. I uh, just watch him on Sunday afternoons on TV like everybody else. I think we can all agree the Eagle offensive line because – they were leaning on backup players with the right side of the line going down the way they did. Um, the offensive line wasn't as good as it needed to be last year. Carson Wentz was bad, flat out bad. I don't know how great Doug Peterson's play calling was, but a big part of the Eagles offense struggle was backups were playing along the offensive line. And I don't know anybody who would say, yeah, no, the offensive line was a strength of the Eagles last year. No. And all those backups were in, were as good as it started. No, they weren't. And we all know they weren't. If the offensive line was not as good as it could have been because they lost out on the starters, who are we pointing the fingers at? Jack Driscoll, Herbeg, who, who didn't 
at least. And again, expectations needed to be dropped when the players got hurt. But who didn't get the job done on the Eagles offensive line? Well, mostly everybody was forced to play with the exception of Nate Herbig. So the Triscolls of the world, uh, Matt Pryors of the world did not play well. Obviously, Brett Toth and and limited, uh, obviously, opportunities. Even Jordan Mailata, I talk about all the time, was uh, and I wanted, and I was going to, we'll do some business on the air because I was going to ask you to try to get Greg Cosell on. I think I did. You know, Greg's one of those guys who breaks down film better than anybody, and he he's one of the few guys because you get, you know, Eagles Nation will come after you if you say anything bad about Jordan Mailata. He's one of those guys. You know, Greg said, you know, last four games he was not good. And if you put on the film, he was not good. So I think there's a little overrated aspect from that standpoint. Um, Nate Herbig, and I'm just pulling it up, Jody. Not that they're the be-all, end-all. We talk about pro football focus a lot. Uh, Nate Herbig, um, I'm trying to get his grade uh, that they gave him. 13th best offensive guard in the entire NFL. 13th out of 80. 13th out of 80, Nate Herbig. Um, Jack Driscoll obviously didn't play enough, but he's way down amongst the tackles. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you put on the coach's film and look at those two players and you come up with Jack Driscoll's better than Nate Herbig. Now you talk about evaluation. That's part of it. Can he become a better player? Does he have more physical gifts? That's an argument I'll listen to. Not even close last year. Not even close. I'd be real interested. Uh, I got John McMullen's opinion. I got Pro Football Focus's opinion. You know whose opinion I really want and need to be able to decide this? Eagles offensive line coach. Uh, he can pretty much tie. And now he's got to coach both players this year. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he not would, gonna, he's not going to. He's not going to answer the question on I'll the record. What, That's pretty much but, given. But uh, then, then let me put it to you this way, Mr. Burge reporter. Can you get the Eagles offensive line coach off the right? And I know we're now living in a COVID world and everything is done on uh, Zoom. But prior to last season, yeah. when you actually could talk to coaches, get them in a corner, in a locker room, ask them a question, off the record, is the Eagles O-line coach the kind of guy who would shoot straight with you and go, not for its attribution, but <laughs> let me tell you this, is he the kind of guy who you could get that out of? The one guy who will tell you the truth of all the coaches I've met is Jeff Stoutman. Now, he'll tell you in his way. He's not going to say player A is player better than player B. Um, so if you frame it like that way, you're just going to get a nasty look and a scowl, and he's going to rip you to shreds. Um, what you do get is his honest opinion about a player. One of the reasons I'm more tempered uh, – on Jordan Mailata than a lot of other people is because of Jeff Stoutman. Jeff's like, I don't know. I don't know what he can do. The consistency is not there from snap to snap. He's very honest, Jody. He is very honest. I can tell you, and, and by the way, I, you know, we, we got to talk to Jeff Stoutman and again, on the record, uh, because it's zoom world still right now. <laughs> and he told the truth. He's very excited about, what happened last year from the perspective of depth. And he's very excited that guys like Herbig and Driscoll 
you know, it might have been ugly at times for certain guys, but they got those reps and it makes them better players. So I was excited about the depth and, and getting the startup cost. Uh, but yeah, you could tell by the way he spoke, he's really excited about what Nate Herbig was able to do, and he should be. The guy played at a really high level last year. He did get a uh, – that's a pretty high grade you were just able to pass along to us from Pro Football Focus. So uh, it would be interesting to see what Herbig this year. I I fear I shouldn't even ask this next question, staying in the trenches with the Eagles on the offensive line. And the reason I shouldn't ask this question is because he hasn't signed his rookie contract. And <laughs> my partner continues to tell me it's no issue whatsoever. I'm not it's the only get- one, Jody. Come on. I got I got Andrew Brandt to tell you it's not an issue. I, I know, but I, I'm sorry. There are certain things in life that I just can't get away from my practical nature. And until you put your name on a piece of paper that says you're coming to camp because you're going to play for the team this year, all of the other players, they got, <laughs> John, they have 90 players on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. 89 of them have signed a contract. There is only one that is not a signed Philadelphia Eagle just yet, and that is Landon Dickerson. But working under the assumption that John McMullen, Andrew Brandt, and everybody else on the face of the planet except me believes that he's going to be signed at some point, where is he going to play? Let's and say by the that way, he's and by the go. way, And by the way, how old is Landon Dickerson? He can't be 25. How is he not on this list? Yeah, not on the list. Yeah, he should be on this list. Yeah, he's got... He's got tremendous. Uh, we talk about evaluation. You know, it might be. By the way, it might be Devontae. My list. It might be Devontae Smith number one, Landon Dickerson number two, Miles Sanders number three. I forgot about Landon, so I want to apologize, Dan. Uh, he's got tremendous. Uh, uh, just uh, he's going to be a star in this league if he stays healthy. And the question is, where? You bring up a good point. Where is he going to play? Is he going to play center? Is he going to play left guard, right guard? We just talked about Nate Herbig. He can play all three positions. Landon Dickerson can play all three positions. Kind of which way do you want to go? For years, Jeff Stoutland has told us. You talk about behind the scenes. Um, Isaac Samalu's best position, most natural position, is probably center. Um, So it comes down to what flavor do you like? What type of center do you want once Jason Kelsey? If we assume – if we fast forward a year, Jody, it is really – we were talking about this with Martin a little bit earlier in competition and guys competing against what they're trying to accomplish in their careers. There is a really good chance that both Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks aren't here next year. And then all of a sudden, okay, then you start to say your whole interior offensive line. And it all starts with Isaac Sayamalu. Isaac's going to be a starter. Ultimately, I think he's staying at left guard. And I compare this to Lane Johnson. When the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson, uh, the, the original plan, it's so far ago, people forget, was he was going to start at right tackle and then move to left tackle, replace Jason Peters. And all of a sudden, one year, Jeff Stoutland showed up and said, you know what? He's so good at right tackle. I'm not touching him. He's staying there. I think the same thing is happening with Isaac Sayamalo. I think ultimately the first plan, he was going to move to center to replace Kelsey. 
but he's good enough at left guard. Now, it's not Lane Johnson. I'm not making the comparison. Not an all-pro. But he's good enough there that they're not going to move him. I think Landon Dickerson's going to be the center. And I think in that instance, if they're both gone, you start talking about competition, real competition. And a guy like Jack Driscoll will have an opportunity to beat out somebody like Nate Hervey to, to be the right guard. And uh, that's a great point you make about Stoutland coming in and going, move Lane Johnson? Is that what you said? No, no, no. He's the best <clears throat> right tackle maybe in the entire National Football League. I'm going to take a guy who's the best player at his position, and you're going to tell me it's advisable that I move him? Thank you, no. I'll just leave him right there. Uh, was that because Stoutland was just that smart and ahead of the game? Or – and you get you fill in the blanks for me on this timing. It has seemed to me over the last, I would say it started four, five, six years ago. The team started to say, well, if all the opposition is putting their best player at left tackle and our best pass rusher can pass rush from either side, why would we just stick him at right defensive end where we know he's going to have to go up against their best offensive line? when we can put them on the other side and we're going to go up against their second best tackle that most teams have their best player at left tackle. Well, why don't we get our best guy against their second best tackle and we'll get to the quarterback every single time. Did Stoutland think along those lines? Cause he knew that guys like uh, Broncos Miller was going to be moving over to that side and go, Oh yeah, we're going to eat your right tackle alive and we're going to get to the quarterback play in and play out. Do you think he was ahead of the curve in that way, or he just believed, no, I'm not moving a guy who's the best in his position in the league? Now, I think it's you bring up a good point, Jody, because that was a big part of it. Uh, and the fact that the Von Millers of the world, Khalil Max, Demarcus Lawrence, Daniel Hunter, they're all left ends. They're all left ends. So the the game has shifted. And a lot of when you play the Eagles now, like if the Bears are playing the Eagles, they'll move Khalil Mack from left end. He's a left end now, typically. He's going to play most of his time at left end. They'll move him to right end because they think they have a better chance uh, to get home on the other side of the football. Yep. So that's a big part of it. You're right. There's so many – the lead changed and shifted. And then part of it is Lane got so comfortable and so good on the right side, it's why move him. So it was part, it was a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, but that was very astute of you because so many players started developing. And it was yep. first it was Miller and then Mack and then Hunter. And obviously Lane Johnson has had tremendous success over the years against Demarcus Lawrence, who plays left end as well. The Eagles said, yeah, this is pretty important, this position. One more offensive line question, then we'll take the time out. We'll come <clears> back, we'll put a bow on the show. Um, the Eagles are where they are right now. We believe everybody healthy, uh, that Jason Kelsey is going to be their center until Jason Kelsey says he's not going to be their center anymore. And, or we can see with our own eyes that there's a drop off. People ask, have asked me on my WIP shows anywhere else. How many more years do you think Kelsey's got left? My answer is always the same. I don't know. How the hell would I know? Jason Kelsey has for the past, what, three years now, hinted this could be my last year, and he comes back and plays to a Pro Bowl level. Well, this could be my last year, and he comes back and plays to a Pro Bowl level. So until Jason Kelsey, that we can either see on film, damn, Father Time is finally catching up to him, or he comes out and says, 
No, I'm not contemplating retirement. I'm announcing retirement. Until I hear that, I'm going to believe Jason Kelsey is their center. But again, in a hypothetical question, if Jason Kelsey retires at the end of this year, how do they base the decision on who's going to be the next center? Is it because Isaac Sayamala was here first and has played some center? Are they going to get just practice reps with Landon Dickerson at center? Assuming Kelsey plays all year, it's not hurt. But then at the end of the year, just pulls the plug and says, no mas, I'm uh, calling it a career. How are the Eagles going to decide who the next center is going to be? We can agree that those two players are going to be starting next year. But which is going to be the center and which is going to be the left half, uh, left guard? How do you think they determine that, J.M.? Well, I think a lot of it is what I just said about the lane comparison. I think Isaac is comfortable at left guard. I think he started to, again, not at the level of Lane Johnson and right tackle, but he's really solid at left guard. I don't think they want to ramp up that whole period again. And I think they drafted Landon Dickerson uh, to be the center or the right guard. Uh, and that will be the decision with him, depending on Jason Kelsey. In other words, if Jason Kelsey decides to keep playing, Brandon Brooks is probably out of here, and Landon Dickerson is going to be your right guard. Um, if uh, Jason retires, uh, Landon Dickerson is going to be your center, and then you'll have a competition at right guard. As I said, Herbig, Driscoll, whomever uh, will be in that conversation and it'll be a competition uh, if, if both leave. Uh, but Landon Dickerson's going to play. And I think, you know, barring injuries, and we got to put that caveat because they're significant with him more than even most players, he, he's going to play. He's really talented. He's going to be on the field by 2022. And I think, Jody, a lot of Jason Kelsey has to do with legacy, you know, He's talking about the Hall of Fame now. Like, how long does he have to go? How many all-pro nods? How many Pro Bowl nods before Jason Kelsey is going to be in Canton? I think that's his 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 thought process now. Uh, legacy, has he done enough? You know, we'll talk to Damo at some point down the line maybe about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to get in at that particular position. Obviously, I think it's important to him. If he retires right now, he probably doesn't make it. So maybe that keeps him around a little bit longer, but I don't know. My question would be, if he does get elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, will he wear a mummer's outfit under the <laughs> yellow coat that they give him to wear that night? Uh, I lied. I got one more offensive line question, then we'll get a break in here. Um if Landon Dickerson is going to play in 2022, that's the game plan. That's why you brought him along. That's why you used the second round pick on him. The projection is for him to be ready to go as a starter 2022. And just Jason Kelsey is playing one more year and one more year. And one, like I said, we, we're not going to know Jason Kelsey's done until Jason Kelsey tells us that he's done. Same with Jason Peters. We just went through with Jason Peters. Yeah. Right. But we saw the drop off with Jason Peters. We haven't seen it yet with Jason Kelsey. Um, if Brandon Brooks plays this year to, let's say, and we'll use the pro football focus ranking again, um, top five. He's not number one, which is a spot that he's achieved before, that he's the best right guard in the National Football League. But he comes back and he looks damn good, and he doesn't have any inju injury issues, 
and for the lack of anybody else out there being better, uh, not as good to be able to rank them, we'll go pro football focus. He's the fifth best guard, right guard in the National Football League. What's his value on the open market with his contract, with the fact that we know Howie Roseman likes to get something rather than get nothing and just let a guy go and create salary cap. Uh, if he's a top five right guard in football, even with his very high salary number, I would say that he should be able to bring the Eagles something back in return. What kind of deal do you think they could make for him? Uh, I don't think it would be as much as you would think because of the con more than the contract, which is huge, um, is the injury issues. I mean, I do think people will look at his age and what is Brandon. I got to look up Brandon. He's post 30. Uh, no, say, play, play. I was talking about next year, so it would be play. I think he's playing at 31 this year, so he'd be 32 yeah. the next year. Yeah, August 19th, uh, he will, uh, is his birthday. So yeah, he'll be 32 next year. Um, so you have that, you have the significant injuries and you have the contract, which I could bring that up as well. So next year, his cap hit is about 19 and a half million. Uh, and he's under contract through 24, but at huge numbers. So they tried to trade him this year. Brandon said it. Brandon was honest about it. They tried to trade him this year. They couldn't. That, that contract in the injury history is going to be difficult, but it's a little bit better if he plays the whole season at a top right. five level. Uh, my, then, my contingency was plays all 16 games yeah. and plays to a rather high level, not the best right tackle in football, but not just, well, at least he was out there. No, uh, grades out to a top five right tackle yeah. in football. I, because of his age and the contract, remember, if you trade for him, you're picking up the contract. You could work an extension from there, do your kind of magic. I I would say the best you could get is a high day three pick, and that might be too uh, – <laughs> Too optimistic, to be honest. No, no, we keep talking about high day three picks for uh, the Eagles backup tight end yeah. or starting tight end or call uh, Zach Ertz, whatever you want. And we're still waiting for that day for the Eagles to be able to get what Harry Roseman thinks the uh, worth is of Zach Ertz on the open market. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, going to take a final time out, come back, put that unofficial bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, 
go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, but we'll be right back at you with more Eagles conversations uh, tomorrow, 22 hours from now. Um, last thing, Johnny, I want to get uh, some props for the guys here on the stream. Um, if you watch this on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, which we hope you're doing on a day-in, day-out basis, you know that uh, when you punch it up, you can comment on the show as it is ongoing. And it shows up on your screen, and it shows up on our screen, shows up on everybody's screen. And I love when the stream comment guys. By the way, never... no vaccine talk today, Chad. We should have talked about it because of the Phillies, by the way. We should have uh, gotten to yeah. it. We'll get to that tomorrow. You, you, you're suggesting maybe Alex Bohm dropped the ball by not being vaccinated? No, we don't even want to go. It's A, it's not the Eagles, and B, we've only got five minutes left in the show. So we're not sucking the streamers into a vaccination conversation. Shows um, you why it's important, though. I'm trying it, to suck it in. It does. You, you, you're standing your, your ground. Good for you, McMullen. And you know I stand with you. Um, no, I love when the stream guys actually have a conversation with themselves. They just leave us out of it. They, they <laughs> punch up the show. We're just background noise while they're conversing with each other on the stream. And, and more power to you guys. Uh, but a guy, Joey B., who is forever commenting uh, on, on the show and does a great job when he does, uh, brought up two points today, one of which I will respond to, and one of which I need you to respond to. Uh, are Johnny Mac and Chris Carlin from ESPN Radio, Long Locks Brothers? <laughs> As a guy who has worked with both Chris Carlin and John McMullen, I can attest to the fact that there is a visual likeness between the two guys. And both are great guys. Uh, both I consider good friends, as a matter of fact, and very good at what they do. Um, but he also said, now where's the thing about, oh, there it is. Jody Mack reminds me of the captain on 
Wicked Tuna or The Deadliest Catch. Now, <laughs> I, I don't watch either Wicked Tuna or The Deadliest Catch. I have never been a fish reality show guy, which includes Shark Week. I've never watched Shark Week. And I think that some people believe that makes me anti-patriotic. Uh, how do you have you never watched Shark Week? I've never watched 10 minutes of Shark Week ever. I have no need or no desire to watch animals consume humans. That's just me. Different people have different opinions. On, but that's just Well, me. you watch Jaws, I assume. Well, the, the, movie, the movie, yes. But yeah, but that's I don't watch stuff. it every single week. I don't no. put it on my DVR to make sure. Oh, in case I missed it, I got to go back and yeah, catch people love, episode I've, seven of Shark Week this year. Yeah, I've never gotten into Shark Week. I did have a short period where I got into Deadliest Catch for maybe like a a month or so. It was an interesting show. But you know the things with those shows, Jody, they do the same thing over and over again. Over and over and over. So once you watch it for like, you're like, oh, they're doing this again. It's the same damn thing. But I am interested to see which captain, because there are a couple of captains on there. I do know. You do? So I don't know who he's referring to. Obviously, Carlin. Look, we're all bald. I'm overweight. I feel bad for Chris more than myself. Uh, but I don't know who he's referring to. Uh for you, and I do know yeah, some of the Is there a captain with a, not only a white goatee, because you got a white goatee, but yours is not as big and bushy as mine. Is there one with a yeah, big, full, uh, Sig, bushy, Sig, gray Sig, goatee? Sig Hansen, I don't know. Phil Harris, I don't yeah. see it. Maybe maybe a hat-wearing captain, is there a... Oh, they all wear hats. So oh, they all not, wear hats yeah, every single yeah. time? Every single time, Okay, yeah. yeah. Now the tough guy captain would show me a little something, something by going out. And They're all tough. You you can't go crab fishing and not be tough. You also probably have an alcohol problem and a <laughs> pill well, that, addiction problem. So that's that, a good that, thing. that that's me in a previous life. That's not me today. <laughs> but I I can relate a little bit to that, but that was moons ago. But uh, yes, uh, you got to hit us back here, Joey B. The tough life, I will Sig say. That. Hansen. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it myself. Okay. But I know exactly who that is. Is is Deadliest Catch on right now? Probably. And somewhere. if so, what channel is it on? I got no bloody idea. Pardon the pun, bloody idea on Deadliest Catch. Um, but I got no idea when it's on. I got to tape one just to see if I do have oh, a resemblance. It's, it's with on Captain. all the time, Jody. It's on. It's one of those shows. They've done it for so many years that there's so many shows. They're constantly doing marathons. And I think it's Discovery. I think I think it is. See, now Joey B is saying it's a Jody Mac equals Sig Hansen, Deadliest Catch. Jody Mac equals Wild Bill from Deadliest Catch. Well, which one is it? I look like both of yeah. them. These two guys look like each other. Do you know Sig Hansen yeah. and Wild Bill? Well, I would go. I would go. You're more Wild Bill than Sig Hansen, okay. but I, I, I don't think you're Wild Bill either. So, but I would say Wild Bill is closer. And okay. Wild Jody, yeah, we get you wild. We get you wilded <laughs> up here. Uh, don't know if I'm either one, but I'm actually going to have to watch a little just to uh, see if Joey B knows what he's talking about. Uh, people question all the time whether we know what we're talking about. But Probably. guess what? We're going to do it again tomorrow, and we're going to fake it like we know what we're talking about. Partner, I will see you back here in 22 hours. Sound like a plan? All right. Yeah, I'm going to go watch some Wild Bill. I'm sure it's on right now. <laughs>
I don't think it's on right now, but I am going to set my DVR for a little deadliest catch. Deadliest catch for you guys tomorrow is to be right back here 22 hours from now on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.